So today on Exposed, the Kalo podcast, (laughs) have you heard about banning social media for kids? I don't know. Maybe it's a good idea or maybe it isn't a good idea. And we're going to be talking also about having a BLM day in a D.C. school. It's unbelievable what they're trying to teach our kids. And let me ask you, are we experiencing a global gender revolution? (laughs) It seems that way. And top political news for the day, Tucker Carlson had an interview with Putin. So this is going to be an awesome time listening to how the news responds to his interview. All this today on Exposed. There are schools throughout our nation who are thinking about banning social media for those under 16. And it's happening in Florida and other places. So look at this article. And as you see this article up on the screen, you'll notice that supporters of the proposed legislation are saying that they need to take action in order to protect our children. I I, I mean... They're protecting our children from what? Isn't that what the parent's job is supposed to be? Well, the bill bans people under age 16 from using all types of social media platforms. And what they're saying is that the social media platforms that they're going to be banning for kids under 16 have to do with what they call addictive features. Who gets to determine what's addictive? Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I believe there should be some kind of controls, but I think it should be the parents, you know, making the controls, not the government. Regardless, guess what? The Florida House overwhelmingly approved proposal in 106 to 13 vote last month. And the Senate's Judiciary Committee advanced the bill on February 2nd with a vote of seven to two. So under this legislation, Any platform that allows minors uh, to upload material, pictures, whatever it might be, and interact with other people, which is just about every social media platform out there, uh, and uses addictive features. Uh, Again, what's what's an addictive feature? Who gets to decide, you know, what's addictive? Well, what they're saying is that these addictive features cause people to be compulsive in wanting to be on their platforms more and more. So, and we know kids are already doing that. We know it is, you know, pretty much addicting. We understand that. But monitoring personal data for minors up to the age of 18 years old, let me tell you something. That to me goes way beyond what we need for government controls. What should we be doing? I don't know, but I do know this. The geographic information, okay, that is collected uh, on all of these students, where's it being held? What are they doing with it? See, opponents argue that a ban overrides parental rights. And I agree 100%. Because anytime they try to ban someone from using a platform, they need to collect certain data. In other words, they have to know your age. They have to know what you're doing and who you're communicating with so that they can say, oh, this meets the criteria in order to ban you, right? Okay, so what are they doing with that data? That's what I want to know. To me, all of this violates First Amendment rights, and it ignores 
um, social media's positive aspects. Let's face it, there's a lot of kids that don't really have uh, enough interaction today. And I know we blame social media for it, but on the other side, there are some kids that are really just kind of introverts. And when it comes to social media, they seem to excel and do pretty well. Not only that, many cases, social media has the ability to be able to foster a sense of community. So experts have sounded the alarm, you know, over the harmful impacts of social media. We've heard about it for years, especially when it comes to the effect it has on our children and our teens. And again, I understand all of this and I know you do too, but here's where I get uh, upset and here's where I think we need to kind of draw the line. Do we allow more government intervention or do we allow less government intervention? Because from what I can tell, Every time the government gets involved in our lives, and it doesn't matter to what degree they do it, every time they get involved in our lives, they never back away. In other words, it keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper until finally it reaches the point where um, they have so much control over our life that no longer are we able to make our own decisions for ourselves. Well, on it goes. Black Lives Matter. That's right. They're using the BLM platform in schools around the country. Found one perfect example for us at the what I would consider to be the wokest elementary school in D.C. There's a picture up on your screen and an elementary school okay, in the nation's capital has held a what they call spirit week. And what they're doing is they're encouraging young students to show up at school wearing colors inspired by Black Lives Matter and the pride flag. <laughs> it's crazy. Now, according to materials obtained by the Daily Wire, Seton Elementary School in Washington, D.C., the students are encouraged to wear red to represent the blood, not the blood of Jesus, no, the blood that unites people of black African ancestry. Here's the picture up on the screen. And what this does is this shows all the different categories of colors that they're allowing the kids or asking the kids to wear. Uh, on Tuesday, we're black, uh, represents members of the black community. On Wednesday, we're green to represent the abundant natural wealth of the continent of Africa. Mm, isn't that wonderful? Students were told on Thursday to wear colors inspired by the inclusive rainbow flag, <laughs> showing an image of the pride flag. Now, for those who identify as transgender, do we have to bring that into the school? Well, that's what the school believes. Why else have a pride flag on that day of Thursday? They do it in order to give substantiation, credibility to the whole transgender movement. And on Friday, students are told to wear logos, okay, inspired by BLM or by historical black colleges and universities. I don't know what's worse. <laughs> They're just about as liberal. Seton, which is the school here, listed guiding principles for BLM and school week, including Listen, they mention all of these things. Listen carefully, because this is where the brainwashing comes into our kids. The picture's up on the screen right now. It shows diversity, 
okay, talking about diversity. Different people who do different things have different feelings. So it's important to understand that. Uh, families, it talks about. What is a family? It talks about uh, black families. There are a lot of different kinds of families. What makes a family? It talks about restorative justice. Black women. It talks about queer affirming. And they give all the definitions to these things. Uh, like, for instance, queer affirming means that everybody has a right to choose who they love and what kind of family they want you know, to be their own. The principle of transgender affirming means that everybody has the right to choose their own gender by listening to their own heart and mind. I mean, we're telling this to little kids. Everybody gets to choose if they want to be a boy or be a girl or be both or neither. And no one else gets to choose for them. They explain what globalism means. Globalism means that we're thinking about all the different people all over the world. That's not what globalism means. Globalism is where there is a one global government that takes control over all of the world. <laughs> and thinking about ways to keep things fair. That's what globalism means. Oh, yeah. Thinking about how to keep things fair. These are all politically charged uh, ideals. And they're also trying to get our children to look at politically motivated books as well to our students, including a book called uh, this. I, I have to I have to be calm. <laughs> Julian is a mermaid. Now, this is a book that alludes to transgenderism. This is Jessica Love's award winning debut picture book about a gender nonconforming child. This is a beautifully illustrated story about a boy and his abuela. It's a story about revealing ourselves and the beauty of being seen for who we are by someone who loves us. Today's themes are identity, love, and acceptance. Today's question is, can you think of a person who loves you unconditionally? Unconditionally means without limits or forever and ever, no matter what. What can you say about that? No matter what, no matter what, my opinion on all of this is it's nonsense. Absolute, unbelievable nonsense. Where are we going? You'll see. Mermaids, whispered Julian. Like you, mijo. Let's join them. And they do. For today's activity, I want you to think about the importance of being seen and affirmed, just like Julian's abuela did. For those, I want you to think about those people who love you and show you love. Those are the people I want you to think about today. Those people in your life who make you feel like your heart is so full and their heart is so full for you. Oh, wow. Doesn't that give you warm and fuzzy feelings? You know, I mean, just the sound of that woman's voice kind of leading the children onto what to believe. You need to feel the love from all the people around you. I mean, it's okay if you're dressed this way or if you think you're a boy or think you're a girl. That doesn't matter. Do people love you? Are you feeling affirmed today? Welcoming students. Calvin, time to be me. Time to be me. 
What they're trying to do here is lead us on, our children, lead them on to believing that in order to be themselves, that they have to express whatever feelings at the time that might be you know, going through their mind or through their body, and that that feeling should uh, be expressed not only by them, but should be affirmed by all the people around them. In other words, they're trying to tell the kid, whatever you think, whatever you believe, it's okay. We're going to go along with you. So the kid today feels like he wants to play with dolls. Well, that's okay. You want to play with dolls? Go right ahead and play with dolls. You feel like a girl today? Well, that's okay if you feel like a girl today. We're here to confirm, to make you feel uh, accepted and loved. Calvin is a story about a young girl who identifies as a boy. And this, it says, Welcoming Schools Human Rights Campaign Foundation. See, even if the world sees him as a girl, he knows who he is in his heart and in his mind. The idea behind this whole concept is to get our children to believe whatever they want to believe and then have all the adults around them confirm whatever it is they're believing. We cannot tell them the truth. We cannot say, oh, no, son, you're a boy or sweetheart, you're a girl. We can't say that, okay, because we have to affirm whatever it is that they believe. Now, this young person says he hasn't yet told his family. And the book's description says we're going to look at three. Um, the, the, the book's description says that we're going to look at the reasons why he feels this way. So I want us to look at this first clip, and we're going to talk about it a little bit here. For as long as I could remember, I knew I was a boy. I draw myself with short hair and a shirt like Papa's. I dream about swim trunks like my dad and brother wore. I didn't tell my family until the night before our summer trip to Gigi and Papa's. So the people narrating this, um, they're the parents of this child, and they're the ones that wrote the book. <laughs> okay. And it's enough to make me want to jump through the screen and, and just squeeze them tightly. They wrote this book about their own child and confirming the child's desires to be something other than he is. Let's go on. I'm not a girl, I told my family. I'm a boy, a boy in my heart and in my brain. We love you if you are a girl, boy, neither, or both. We love you who, whoever you are, my dad said. Later, dad told me the word for how I felt was transgender. Dad told me the word for how I felt. It was transgender. Oh, daddy, thank you for telling me. Now I understand. I'm transgender. <laughs> okay, one more. Here we go. Before we go into any questions, thank you. I see some little cheering yeah, hands. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to um, frame something for all who are here. A lot of times we get asked, what can we do? And as an educator, there are kind of four things that we tend to focus on. The first is education, making sure those around you have access to books, documentaries, stories, people to educate themselves about being transgender. 
The second is affirmation, affirming students and children's identities, both in name, pronoun, and in policies at different schools. The third is inclusion, making sure that curriculum, making sure that books and movies and music classes show evidence of LBGTQ and trans characters. And the fourth is my favorite, interrupt. Never let a moment go. If you hear transphobia or homophobia, interrupt. Use it as a teachable moment. So those are the four framework pieces that I often share with folks that I thought maybe you'd all be interested in. These are the four brain work per, uh, ideals that I think you'd all be interested in. Th th this is a planned agenda, folks. This is, this is a planned agenda. These guys are educators. They're the parents. I, I mean, they should be locked up but they're celebrated. If we had time to see the entirety of this video, it would be nauseating. It starts off with a, a group of uh, educators and the lead educator gets up and introduces this couple as, uh, you know, like the most uh, eye-opened, uh, award-winning parents ever on the planet. And, and about the book and how wonderful it is that our children get to express who they really are. And they celebrate this couple. Sad. It's extremely scared. What, what, what can we do about it? Well, <laughs> I guess all we could do is fight and resist at every possible venue. Speaking of fighting and resisting, <laughs> what's actually happening in America right now is a revolution. I think it's called a gender revolution. In fact, there's a documentary <laughs> That's right. There's a documentary. I found it and it's powerful. Okay. Uh, it's called Gender Revolution, A Journey with Katie Couric. Here's a picture of it. Now, talk about a documentary at first. I, I, I felt sorry for many of the people in this documentary who are honestly confused about their gender. They really were. Some to the point of actually trying to commit suicide. And it, it was it was very disheartening for me to, to watch this and to see that some people actually have this kind of struggle. But as the documentary continues, it gets more and more to the core of the real issue. <laughs> sure, there is probably some physical or psychological or emotional problems behind people with this issue. But the truth is, there may be an underlying scientific explanation, but not unlike any other disease or genetic deformity, it is a perversion of God's intended use and design. See, they're trying to paint this entire gender revolution as if somehow science is discovering that people are born this way. People are born to be different. If they're born to be a man and they happen to be birthed as a woman, that was a scientific discovery. It was a mistake of nature. God doesn't make mistakes. What happens here is this documentary is actually leading to the root core of the problem, which I believe to be it's demonic. I know, don't get carried away. Just listen carefully, okay? But laying that idea aside, okay, let's just say forget Mike's crazy idea about being demonic, okay? The issue to those of us who think normally would be, hey, um, you want to feel like a little girl or a little boy, whatever? Hey, I feel for you. But 
whatever you do, don't disrupt me and all of society because you want to accept and affirm your own delusions. So the documentary continues, okay, and it, it, it starts out talking about what's called ambiguous genitalia or being intersex. Uh, Tucker Carlson just had a wonderful interview with Vladimir Putin. Here's a picture up on the screen. According to Politico, it says Carlson will be the first American to interview Putin since the start of Moscow's invasion of Ukraine almost two years ago. I, for one, I'm happy about the interview. I did have a chance uh, to listen and read the entire transcript of the interview. And coming up soon, we're working on it because this was pretty in-depth. Boy, Putin, he's got a lot of head knowledge. I, I mean, this guy was talking about the history of Russia going back to like the 800s. I mean, this guy is very well-versed, um, unlike the guy in the White House. He doesn't even know what day it is. Uh, so I can't wait uh, to put this show together for you. It's coming up very, very shortly. But I want us to hear what Tucker actually had to say about this interview before he did it. So here's this clip. Let's listen. We are not here because we love Vladimir Putin. We are here because we love the United States. And we want it to remain prosperous and free. We are not encouraging you to agree with what Putin may say in this interview. But we are urging you to watch it. You should know as much as you can. And then... Like a free citizen and not a slave, you can decide for yourself. Oh, boy. <laughs> Wanting to have a free and open press. I mean, come on. That's unheard of in today's culture. The media has such a stronghold, a, a stranglehold almost, if you will, on America, that they believe that they can kind of make any narrative flow that they want. Even war. <laughs> Listen. They will right now, the media, all of them, they're going to be in all-out attack mode. They're going to be all out against Tucker and anything that comes out of this interview. And there's a lot in there that could be considered controversial. And to me, there's a, there's a whole heck of a lot in there that could be, be considered controversial. So beware uh, of what's going to happen in the next news cycle over these next 7 to 10 days. Because this war being waged against Tucker and against us, really... Because anyone who dares to expose the truth or to be able to get to the truth, uh, we're the bad guys. I mean, what's wrong with actually having an interview with Putin? Well, and not to say we're going to believe everything he says. I'm sure Tucker didn't believe everything he said. But we have nothing to fear when it comes to listening to truth. Right? Well, that's what I believe. Listen, thanks for watching Exposed today. We enjoy doing these shows for you specifically. If you haven't told your fans, friends, family about us yet, please do. And subscribe, if you will. My name is Mike Kahlo for Exposed, the Kahlo Podcast. God bless you, and God bless America. 